Welcome to the podcast of Seven Rivers Presbyterian Church in Lakanto, Florida. Our passion is to be a church that enjoys God, experiences His grace, and reflects His love to our community and beyond. To join our local body in financial support of this ministry, visit our website at sevenrivers.org. So we are starting uh, a new sermon series on the book of Genesis. We're going to be preaching through the book of Genesis for uh, this fall and even into uh, the spring. And um, I'm really excited about it. There's so much good stuff in Genesis. So you think about the accounts of Adam and Eve, right, and, and Noah and the flood. Think about Abraham and God calling Abraham. We think of... Um, his children, Isaac, right, and uh, Isaac and marrying to uh, Re- uh, Rachel, uh, and uh, you think about Jacob, um, or Isaac being married to Rebecca, and then Jacob, and Jacob wrestling with God, and then the um, story of Joseph being sold into slavery, and Egypt, and all of those things. Genesis is a, um, uh, really foundational to the whole Bible, right? To understand uh, the story of the Bible, uh, you have to understand Genesis. So I'm excited about going through the book uh, with you. And uh, we have uh, the first three sermons in the book of Genesis. We're kind of making a little mini-series. So we have a little mini-series within the larger uh, series of Genesis. The first three sermons are going to be on the first three chapters of Genesis. And uh, we're particularly uh, focusing, um, uh, asking the question, what does God say about male and female? And how does what he says in these chapters relate to some of the big questions in our culture today? So um, this morning we're going to talk about male and female gender. Uh, Next weekend we'll talk about male and female marriage. And then uh, the third uh, in this mini-series we'll talk about male and female roles. So just two quick comments uh, before I read the scripture on this idea of what we're doing. Sometimes people say... um, why do we have to talk about controversial stuff in church, right? Um, uh, let's leave that for other places. Just preach the gospel, to which we respond, we are preaching the gospel, right? We believe that the gospel applies to all of life. The gospel has something to say to everything that we go through. Um, and so uh, it's important for us to speak clearly and straightforwardly on what the Bible says and how it speaks to the issues of our day. Uh, but also to do that with love. You know, grace and truth matter. Uh, because ultimately we're not talking just about issues, we're talking about people. All of us are made in the image of God and are worthy of love, dignity, and respect. And I also want to say that when Ray or I or, or Adam, uh, when any of us uh, preach, um, we, uh, we read a lot. We listen to other preachers that we trust. We confer with one another uh, because we realize that it is, um, is all too easy to be tempted uh, to let your personal uh, opinions and stories uh, and emotions skew the way that we read God's Word. So our goal when we stand up here each and every week is to say what God says, um, to make sure that we're teaching Uh, what is clear in the Bible, to not shy away from it, but also to not go beyond 
what's in the Bible. So uh, it's a challenge. So I would ask that you pray for us. Um, Pray for us. Listen with grace and explore the scriptures for yourself on these issues. So it is to the scriptures that we now turn. Uh, If you're willing and able, would you stand and we'll give our attention to God's word from Genesis chapter 1. This is, I've uh, edited this just for length, um, so you find it easiest to follow along on the screens. You can try and follow along in your Bible as well. Genesis chapter 1, hear God's word for you this morning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse, and it was so. And God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. God called the dry land earth, And the waters that were gathered together he called seas, and God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so, and God saw that it was good, and there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let the lights be in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And God made the sun and the moon and the stars. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Father, uh, would you um, work in our hearts by your Holy Spirit to help us to submit to your word this morning, to hear its truth and to apply it to our lives? Would you help me as I speak? Um, that which is from you, would you let it go down deep, but that which is not, would you let it fall on deaf ears? Um, Lord, we pray that all of this would be for your glory, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated, please. 
So two studies came out in June of this year, one from UCLA, one from Pew Research. They estimated that between 0.5% and 1.6% of adults in the United States identify as transgender or non-binary. That's somewhere between one and a half and four million people. Both studies agreed that youth and young adults, those under the age of 30, are far more likely to identify as trans uh, or non-binary, about three times more likely than those over the age of 30. So we should um, right away define some terms. Uh, gender identity, gender dysphoria, transgender, and non-binary. The words gender identity and transgender were coined in the 1960s. The word um, gender dysphoria in the 1970s and non-binary was coined in the 1990s. This is how our culture defines uh, these words. Uh, your gender identity is one's internal sense of being male, female, neither of these, both, or other genders. Your internal sense of those things. Gender dysphoria is the feeling or discomfort, the feeling of discomfort or distress with one's birth sex. Discomf uh, discomfortable or, or distressed with one's uh, birth sex. Transgender is someone whose gender identity differs from their birth sex. Someone whose in internal sense of their gender differs from their birth sex. And non-binary is someone who does not identify as male or female. Now, you might be confused about these uh, concepts, but unless you've been living under a rock, you certainly have at least heard them. Um, for uh, Pew found that four in 10 adults say that they personally know someone who is transgender. Four in 10 personally know someone who is transgender. 46% of adults say they have a trans friend, coworker, or family member. We see it in the news, right? We see it in sports, in advertising, in television, uh, in uh, movies and especially on social media. Um, for teens and young adults today, it feels commonplace. But I know that for many of you, the rapid rise of this uh, movement uh, is shocking. You th think about the, the technological progression of music, right? How, uh, if we start with records, right? It went from records to eight tracks and then from eight tracks to cassette tapes, and from cassette tapes to CDs, and then from CDs to MP3s, and from MP3s to online streaming. We can, we can track that progression, right? We can, we can make sense uh, of that. Um, so too the historical progression of the gay and lesbian movement in the United States, slowly kind of built over time. Um, but transgenderism feels like it came out of nowhere. Like overnight, it was just everywhere. Uh, a huge turning point in recent history was in 
2015 when uh, Olympic gold medal winning decathlete Bruce Jenner came out as a transgender woman uh, on the cover of Vanity Fair magazine with the caption, Call Me Caitlin. Uh, Two documentaries I watched uh, this week that I think capture the issue um, from opposite sides of the debate. Uh, uh, The first is What is a Woman by Matt Walsh. Uh, That would be on the pro side. Um, And the other is uh, Growing Up Trans. Uh, Matt Walsh would be on the anti, kind of the anti side. Uh, Growing Up Trans would be on the pro side um, by PBS, uh, Frontline PBS. Um, Two book resources that I would recommend uh, for you if you want to read more on this that I read this week. Uh, One is um, simply called Transgender by a guy named Vaughn Roberts. It's a great uh, short read uh, and great way to uh, have a conversation with someone. There's good discussion questions in here. Transgender by Vaughn Roberts. And then the other book is uh, a little lengthier and covers the topic and other stuff. It's called Love Thy Body by Nancy Piercy. Fantastic book, uh, worth your read. Uh, Nancy Piercy is an um, uh, amazing thinker and writer, and uh, so it's called Love Thy Body. Um, that would be a, a good, good book to read. So how should Christians think about issues of gender? That's the question this morning. Well, we, we, sh- we cannot stick our heads in the sand, right? Our children and our grandchildren uh, deserve our thoughtful reflection on this topic, and they need us to help them navigate through the culture. The church is called to be salt and light to everyone, including those who identify as transgender or non-binary. And so what does it look like to be salt and light? What does the Bible have to say about gender? What if you struggle or have struggled with gender dysphoria? You know, I recognize that there's, there's no way that I can say everything that can be said, right, on this topic in one sermon. So I hope that this is um, not the end of the discussion, but rather the beginning of a conversation that you will have in your families, in your small groups, uh, and with your friends. Um, so you guys ready? Ready to go? All right, doesn't matter if you're ready, I'm ready. Um, <laughs> all right, three points. Three points. First, gender confusion. Gender confusion. Why is there so much confusion about gender in our culture? Despite um, how loud transgender activists declare it or how prolifically it's uh, pressed in the media or online, um, in order to be intellectually honest, we have to say that transgenderism is not a majority view in America and definitely not in the rest of the world. Yet, Uh, Nevertheless, because of transgenderism's impact, there is much confusion about gender uh, in our culture and in the church. So here's kind of like the most important thing to to grasp um, transgenderism. This is uh, important, so listen to this carefully. Um, For all of human history, all of human history up until about the 1960s, when uh, the concept of gender came up, it always referred to one's biological sex. All, right, all of human history up until just the, the 1960s, gender referred to one's biological sex. The word gender isn't even in the Bible. The Bible just talks about one's sex, which is either male or female. 
and that is determined by biology. In other words, you could say the Bible, in the Bible, genitals determines gender. It's that simple, right? Um, The concept of gender identity, uh, that belief that your maleness or femaleness comes from an internal sense of uh, of who you are, that it's not connected to your biological sex, that teaching about gender is only 60 years old. It is um, relatively very, very new. Today we are told, though, that sex and gender are two different things. Sex is your biology. Gender is a social construct. Gender is based not on your body, but on your inner feelings. As one transgender activist put it, gender is not defined by what is between your legs. Gender is defined by what is between your ears. So here's where the confusion comes in, right? If, if we accept that definition of gender, right, that, that gender is how you feel, then what happens when your feelings don't match up with your body? Well, we're told if your feelings don't match your body, don't change your feelings to match your body, change your body to match your feelings. Um, So if you're a boy, uh, if you're in a boy's body, but you think you feel like a girl, if you go to a medical professional today, they will not question your feelings of being a girl. Instead, they will affirm those feelings and encourage you to live as a girl by changing your pronouns, taking puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and ultimately having sex reassignment surgery. And then what if, what if your feelings change? Well, then you would be um, called gender fluid, right? Um, transgender uh, ideology rejects the idea of binary gender, that there's just male and female. Uh, gender is not binary, they say it is a spectrum. So do you see why this is confusing? Um, The way the Bible speaks, the way most of the world speaks and has spoken for all of history is now um, about gender is now considered antiquated, regressive, and oppressive. In other words, it is now believed that biology is bigotry. That if, if you insist that biological sex determines gender, then you're, just, you're not just wrong, you're hateful, right? You are uh, transphobic because you are denying someone's feelings. But here's the problem from a biblical standpoint. The problem is that the Bible teaches that our feelings are not to be blindly embraced and affirmed. In fact, it's the exact opposite, that we should be skeptical and suspicious of our feelings, that many of our feelings should actually be resisted. Uh, Jeremiah 17.9 says, the heart, right, the core of our affections, uh, the, the center of all that we are, that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? The Bible teaches that we are um, totally marred by sin, everything about us, that our sinfulness is so pervasive that nothing about us is completely as it should be. Not our thinking, not our emotions, not our desires, not our feelings, not our sexuality. We are all broken. We are all 
distorted mind, body, and soul. You think about just, just about every Disney movie for the last 15 years preaches the same message. Uh, be true to yourself. Right? Express your uh, authentic self. Find that inside of you, and you will live happily ever after. Feelings rule. And if your feelings change, then that's okay because that's your truth. So gender based on feelings will always be fluid. But if gender is fluid, then morality is fluid. And if morality is fluid, then everything is fluid. Everything is in flux. There are no firm guideposts. There are no eternal facts. There is no universal truth. There are no solid foundations upon which you can build your life. Uh, This uh, was in an article from the BBC Kiara Bell was 14 when she first began identifying as a boy. Two years later, she was prescribed puberty blockers and testosterone. At 20, she underwent a double mastectomy to remove both breasts. Now at 23, she identifies again with her biological sex and recently won a lawsuit against the doctors who allowed her to go down this path at such a young age. At the time, Kiara believed that these treatments would help her achieve happiness. She said, I was stuck in severe depression and anxiety. I felt extremely out of place in the world. I was really struggling with puberty and my sexuality and had no one to talk to uh, these things through with. When she sought medical help, she was given the impression that the doctors and therapists would be neutral, but that wasn't the case. Once I arrived at the gender identity clinic, I was not challenged in any sense and I was affirmed as a boy from the beginning. When I was questioning my identity, there was nowhere to find support that didn't affirm the delusion of being in the wrong body. No organizations existed that might be able to tell me that it was okay to be a girl who didn't like stereotypically girly things. Kiara now looks back on her transition with sadness. Her treatments have left her with permanent facial hair and a lower voice. There was nothing wrong with my body, I was just lost and without proper support. I should have been challenged on the proposals or the claims that I was making for myself. And I think that would have made a big difference as well if I was just challenged on the things I was saying. If I was just challenged on the fact that my feelings rule and that I should go with them no matter what. Um, So where will that challenge come from? Where can we go in the midst of our confusion about gender? Where is the solid foundation that we can turn to? And the answer is, it's on the first page of the Bible. It's in in Genesis chapter 1. It's creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He spoke everything into existence, and it was good. It was good. It was good. It was good. But it wasn't very good until his crowning creation, mankind. This is, in a sense, the Bible's answer to the question, what is a human? And the Bible's answer to that is, God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. In the New Testament, 
Jesus uh, affirms this truth. In Matthew 19, this truth of creation, he says, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? I love the way that uh, uh, one writer, Rebecca McLaughlin, summarizes it. She says, uh, Men and women are equally important and also importantly different. Men and women are equally important, and they are also importantly different. Um, Male and female, created in the image of God, equally important with dignity and value and worth, and also, as male and female, importantly different. Um, The culture teaches that your body is accidental to who you really are. Christianity teaches that your body is integral to who you really are. The culture says, try and escape from your body. Christianity says, learn to live in harmony with your body. Our culture says that there are an infinite number of genders. Christianity says there are only two genders. That deep down, all the way down in your bones, right, in your DNA, in your, the chromosomal level, God made us in our bodies, in his image, male and female. Your gender was not arbitrarily assigned to you at birth by a doctor. It was sovereignly assigned to you in conception by God. Deuteronomy um, 22.5 says, A woman shall not wear a man's garment, nor shall a man wear a woman's cloak. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord your God. It's the only verse in the Bible that speaks directly to the idea of cross-dressing. Um, and, but what, what is it saying? It's saying that it does not please God when we blur gender lines. Um, and you say, okay, well, that's just the Old Testament. But in Matthew 19, when Jesus is asked about divorce, as we read, he quotes Genesis 1. And then he says something kind of surprising. He mentions uh, the idea of that there are people who are born eunuchs. Uh, a man who was born a eunuch was a man who was born without uh, identifying reproductive organs. Right? So we, we might call that person today intersex. Someone who um, you can't identify whether they're male or female just by um, looking at their Uh, genitals. Um, You know, in this moment, Jesus had an opportunity, speaking about eunuchs, to blur gender lines, right? To say, you know, there isn't really two, there's just kind of a spectrum, or there's at least three, you know. But what did he do? He affirmed male and female. So, up to this point, right, I've been speaking specifically about transgenderism, and that's okay. That's, that's good. We should talk about these things, right? Um, but I want to help us see that uh, it's deeper than just one issue. And I want to help us see that Genesis and what it's teaching applies to all of us here. Genesis is teaching that God is the creator and we're the creature. That might just seem like patently obvious to you. Right? God's the creator and we're the creature. But, but think about it in this passage in Genesis 1. God does all of the action. God says, 
God creates, God makes. What does that mean? It means we don't create ourselves, we are created. We do not make ourselves, we are made. We do not identify ourselves, we are identified. And as you read through Genesis, we're going to get to Genesis 3 in, in two weeks, you're going to see there, you'll discover that all of us have the same problem. We want to be the creator. Right? We want to be the creator. We want to have uh, authority. We all have an authority problem. The sovereign self does not tolerate having its options limited by anything it did not choose. And so the question is, are we willing to bend our knee and submit ourselves, all of us, our thinking, our feeling, our emotions, our acting, are we willing to submit those things to the design and intention of God the Creator? Or will we demand autonomy? Is God going to be the one who says who I am and what I do with my life? Or am I going to be the one who says who I am and what I do? You see, that's the battle that I fight every day. Every day I am fighting the battle of, am I going to try to be the creator? Am I going to let God tell me who I am and what I should do? Or uh, am I going to be the one who says who I am and what I do? I fight that battle every day, and so do you. And that's why, um, that's what makes you and I no different than Caitlyn Jenner. Do you realize that? You're no different than Caitlyn Jenner. I'm no different than Caitlyn Jenner. Because we're all rebels. We're all sinful. We're all broken. We are all disordered. And left to ourselves, none of us wants to give up the throne on our hearts to the rightful king of the universe. God made us in his image. But in our rebellion, that image has been shattered. The beautiful masterpiece that God created has been marred. So how can that be fixed? How can we be restored? How can we be put back together or right? And that's the final point, which is uh, redemption. Gender redemption. What has God done to uh, restore us, to rescue us from ourselves? John 1 says in the beginning um, about the Word, that uh, the Word was with God, He was God, and that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus came into this world as a man. He was the perfect male. His body was broken so that our bodies could be redeemed. Jesus rose bodily, and He will return again bodily, and those who trust in him will live with him in the new heavens and the new earth with glorified, resurrected bodies. I love how Pastor John Tyson put it. He said, we live in a Genesis 3 world with a Genesis 1 blueprint on a trajectory to a Revelation 21 future. We live in a Genesis 3 world on a Genesis 1 blueprint uh, on the trajectory to a Revelation 21 future. So Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, don't you know that your body is not your own? Don't you know that 
Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. You are not your own. You were bought. You were redeemed. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. We're called to glorify God in our bodies. So how do we do that? What does that look like? Um, two, two thoughts. One, we have to realize that all of us are tempted to find our identity in our gender instead of finding our identity in Christ. All of us are tempted to try and get our righteousness from our gender instead of from Jesus. There is no room for us to look down on a transgender person because we're guilty of the exact same thing. Um, Why, as men, do we feel like we have to have big muscles or big trucks? Right? Why, why is there this thing called machismo? Um, because we're trying to find our worth in our identity as a man, as a real man, right? In our gender. Why, why do women have closets full of clothes and over-cosmetic themselves? Because you're looking to your gender for identity as a real woman. See, we are all guilty of over-gendering. We are all guilty of trying to Um, root our true identity in our gender rather than rooting our true identity in Christ. So I would say to parents, don't over-gender your kids. Grandparents, don't over-gender your grandkids. By which I mean, don't um, define for them so narrowly what it means to be male and female, which is usually based on your own experiences and assumptions. Um... Don't mistake temperament and personality types for sexuality. The, the number one um, cause, number one reason uh, that uh, people turn to transgenderism uh, is because they feel uh, out of accord with what the culture says is a boy or a girl. And we can actually help, uh, help that or hurt that um, by overgendering our kids. Think of a biblical example, right? Jacob and Esau. Esau was an outdoorsman. He was a hunter. Uh, Esau was rough, tumble type of guy. He was hairy. He was his father's favorite. Jacob, on the other hand, was quiet and gentle. Jacob preferred to stay indoors. Jacob was close to his mother but they were both male, right? Um, So don't mistake temperament and personality type for sexuality. Think of Jesus. Jesus was a man who was called gentle and lowly. He said he, he sought to gather his people in like a mother hen gathers in her chicks. But he also got angry with the money changers and turned over their tables in the temple with righteous anger, right? Um... 80% of kids who experience gender dysphoria, um, it gets resolved when they grow up. 80% of kids, it goes away once you go through puberty because puberty is awkward for everybody, right? Um, And we're all, we all feel uncomfortable in our bodies and trying to figure it out. Um, And uh, and so don't don't over-gender your kids Help them discover who they are, how God has made them unique in their personalities. 
um, help them realize that they don't have to be a girly girl to be a girl. And they don't have to be a, uh, you know, a kind of rough and tumble boy to be a boy. But they can be who God made them to be um, in their bodies. How else do we glorify God? Um, we glorify God in the church by showing compassion to those who struggle with their bodies. Showing compassion to people who um, have genuine gender dysphoria, right? Who, uh, who have this feeling of feeling different um, from their biological sex. Showing compassion and patience with them. Realizing that ongoing struggle is the way of Christian growth. So be patient with others. Give others the same amount of time that you've been given. We ought to weep because we understand what it's like to be confused. And we ought to have um, hearts of compassion. That, that documentary I mentioned, What is a Woman, is a good documentary for about 50 minutes. And then the very end of the documentary, um, Matt Walsh, who's been asking these really good questions, kind of been um, uh, exploring the issue. Uh, at the end, his answer, he kind of says, I'm done asking questions. And then what he does is he kind of goes on a rant and, uh, uh, and tells people who he disagrees with uh, that they're child molesters and that they're, um, uh, you know, idiots and that, um, uh, that basically demonizing them, right? And that's not the way of Jesus. Um, the way of Jesus is to show compassion and grace, right? To be patient with others. Grace and truth both matter. Um, the question is, will someone who is LGBTQ be accepted at church? Can they come and, and be among us and hear the gospel? I had a, a same-sex couple come to me one time wanting to know if they would be welcome here. And uh, I asked them to tell me their story, and um, uh, they were in a church previous that they said was uh, open and affirming of them affirmed uh, them, but they said they never taught the Bible. And they said, we're coming here because we want truth. We want to hear truth. We want to hear the Bible. Can we come to your church and hear truth? I said, absolutely. Please come, right? Church ought to be a safe place for people to come and encounter Jesus. Um, Walt Heyer uh, this, um, read this in Nancy Piercy's book. Walt Heyer is a former transsexual who started as a cross-dresser, then underwent sex reassignment surgery to live as a woman. After eight years, he became a Christian and eventually transitioned back to living as a man. He discovered that changing his clothing, hairstyle, social security card, driver's license, and even his genitals did not change who he was. In other words, he came to realize that the restoration of my sanity would only come by reversing the gender change and going back to living as the male God had made me to be. In short, by accepting his biological identity as a good gift from God. When Hire was still presenting as a woman, he began attending church. Tragically, the first church he visited asked him to leave. The senior pastor actually drove to his home, knocked on the door, and said, we don't want your kind in our church. 
By God's grace, Walt found another congregation that accepted him and supported him through several painful, tumultuous years of emotional and spiritual healing as he went through the difficult process of detransitioning. You see that quote there at the bottom of your, of your outline in the bulletin from Matt Chandler? If the church must be anything, she must be a safe place for the gender confused and the sexually broken. If she is not safe for that, then we do not believe our own message. We are all broken, all in need of salvation, all in need of grace. And to take a particular struggle and put it outside the bounds reveals we don't quite understand what it is that we believe. You see, what it is we believe is that you don't have to clean up your behavior before you come to Jesus. You didn't have to get your life together and get it all figured out before Jesus accepted you. And in the same way, you don't have to clean up your life before you come to church. The LGBTQ person or any other letter they want to identify by is welcome here because Brandon Lorenzon is welcome here. I need grace and truth. I need the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit to remake me into the image of Christ, to reorder what has been disordered in my body and in my soul. So I am a male. I'm a man living in a Genesis 3 world with a Genesis 1 blueprint on a trajectory to a Revelation 21 future because my identity is in Christ. How do you identify? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, please press the truths of your word deep into our hearts. Help us to fight against the temptation to be our own lords and kings and help us to submit to you, all of us, all of who we are, to believe that in you we find true life, true life in our bodies that you've given us, in the way of you, you have created us. Lord, we pray that you would help us to do this for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information or would like to help support the local body of Seven Rivers, please visit our website at sevenrivers.org.